Welcome to Be the Victor, a podcast for men about strength, conditioning, and wellness. My name is Victor Robledo. I've been working in the trenches as a strength and conditioning coach for over 25 years. I'm going to be telling you what works and what doesn't. I've had the opportunity of working with people of all walks of life. We're going to be debunking some myths that limit your results, and we're going to be talking about how to live your life better. I hope you're ready, because here we go. Hi, welcome to episode number two. This episode is brought to you by nobody, actually just myself because I'm tired of guys getting misled. Before we get started, let me say actually two words or two small phrases. Functional training, core training. Hey, I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to work my core. My trainer specializes in functional training. That guy has a strong core. All these little phrases kind of drive me crazy, uh, particularly because a lot of trainers in this day and age will use it pretty much to charge you more money. And a lot of guys don't have any idea what that really means. So you do need a strong core, but you don't need a PhD to learn how to work it. So today we're going to talk about the best exercises to start training that functionally strong core. Now, the word can bring up so many images, images, and like I said, it can really make you feel like you're just getting charged a lot more money by your trainer because he seems to have this magic pill that's going to make you stronger and look great and move better as an athlete. But what does it really mean? What does it really mean? And we'll get to that. Um, before the development of, of uh, machines in the traditional commercial gym, everyone had to use free weights if they were working out. As machines began to get popular, it made the use of free weights a little less important. And because you were locked into a machine, you were less likely to stabilize through your midsection or your core. And so little by little, um, guys basically got weaker through their stabilizing muscles. And don't forget how sedentary we've all gotten. You know, even if you work an eight-hour shift and you go in and work out correctly for an hour, that doesn't oftentimes correct issues that you might have. Combine that with a generally lazy society, and all of a sudden, you have dysfunction. Dysfunction of what? Really, your whole bodies. But today, we're going to talk about dysfunction of your core and what it takes to make it stronger. If you think about our grandparents and great-grandparents, um, I think of mine particularly, uh, that they're from Mexico. And for me, uh, they lived on a ranch, and they literally had to work to eat. You have to raise the animals and take care of your crops. And if you didn't do that, you didn't eat. But all that meant was labor. They had to move around, pick up stuff, throw it around, shovel stuff. And that kind of use of the body is really what developed a strong, stable midsection. If you think about the average person, particularly if you're listening to this, unless you have a labor-intensive job, you're not doing much of those lifting. And you're still spending quite a bit of time sitting down. So if you go back even further, you can think about primitive man and woman. They lifted things. They picked them up. They threw rocks. They threw spears. They dragged prey. Within these movements, our bodies evolved. Our primitive ancestors didn't go to core class to get strong abs. They just did what they needed to do to survive. But our modernization has made it so we don't do that functional training that we, that we evolved doing. Um, it's kind of a chicken or an egg argument. Which one came first, our lazy abs or our modernization? Um, but we don't need to go into that question now. We just need to solve 
solve it. And how do you do that? With good functional core training. If I had a quarter for every client that came in and said, oh, they have a strong core. They do 500 crunches a day. I'd probably be a rich man because the reality is they struggle doing, oftentimes struggle doing a good plank or side plank for more than 15 seconds. So let's define what it takes to have a strong core. If you've been working out for any amount of time, then you understand when you're doing big lifts, you know, particularly squats and deadlifts, um, you need to tighten or brace your body or torso before you lift. Now, this is one form of functional training or strong functional core. Now, the grand problem is that generally people are weak these days and we sit too much or have injuries. So you can't go and do those lifts proficiently without injuring yourself. But that's okay. There's a new breed of movements that can come to save the day and make sure you're more athletic. They are efficient and they stop your back from hurting too. And we'll get more into back pain on another uh, podcast. There are bands, cable columns, landmines that all allow for functional training of the abdominal wall. So let's talk about this next generation of ab training. Now, look, if you need some help, check out nomadswithapurpose.com. I go into these in more detail. This is just to get you guys the information real quick and get you guys on the right track. So quick anatomy. And I'm again, with, if you're listening to this podcast, let's keep it simple. If you've trained a long time, you'll probably know more than you need to know. Uh, the names of the muscles and where they insert an origin, not, not as important as understanding your entire core represents your entire torso and diaphragm, as well as muscles of the pelvic floor. So those are like the muscles if you were wearing a diaper, okay? And that's the same reason power lifters wear um, compression briefs to give them lifting capacity. You should know ahead of time that I'm a huge oblique fan. Obliques are really important for functional movement in the body. You can do crunches and planks, and they're great, but you're going to get more bang for your buck if you train the human body as it was designed to move. So let's start off with the first movement, and it's this little $5 to $10 ab wheel that I keep in my gym. Actually, I keep two of them in my gym, and it's a good start to practice your bracing. Now, story time. Before I go into the ab wheel and how to use it, I'll tell you a quick story. My wife's stepdad, Papa Joe, when I met him, he said, oh, you know, I don't work out very much, but I use this little wheel. And I go, oh, great. And at that point, I was a junior at San Diego State, thought I knew quite a bit about working out, but I, and I recognized the wheel from my days in, in the rusting room. He'd say, well, I don't need to go to the gym. I just do 100 of these wheelies, he called them a day. And I thought to myself, looking forward, I'm like, wow, that's amazing. If you can do a hundred of these ab wheels without stopping, and you can continue that on through your lifetime, you're going to have great bracing, good movement. You're going to have good strength through your lats, pec major, pec minor, and some good mobility in your shoulders. Sadly, I don't think Papa Joe can do those movements, but that story's still in my brain about his functional, simple approach to exercise, which I like to pass on to, to a lot of my clients. So evolving forward, you do want ab exercises that work your positions for life and sport. So kneeling and rolling this ab wheel down, rolling the ab wheel isn't necessarily the most specific to our everyday life. For my jiu-jitsu friends, playing guard doesn't validate doing ab work. Lying down, but constant hip flexion usually ends up just jacking up your back. It can, you can feel it a lot in your core, but that's not quite enough. We need to train as we evolve standing. So let's go over a little bit how to do this ab wheel. For the most part, everyone needs to start kneeling. And I always talk about back position. I exaggerate a little bit of 
thoracic rounding to, to make sure your hips are in the right position. We want the hips slightly tucked under and start with the ab wheel under the chest. From here, you're going to extend the wheel away from your body and away from your torso as you extend out. Now, don't overextend. The second you feel this too much in your low back, this exercise turns to crap really quick. So make sure you keep your navel pulled in, continue to breathe, extend away, and then return. One of the key ingredients for me is I usually, when I'm watching a client do this, is if I see them clench their jaw and hold their breath. We're not really trying to do a Valsalva move here and do this movement through holding your breath and tightening up. You should be able to breathe naturally throughout the movement. So once you've developed proficiency at the ab wheel and you can do sets of 20 to 30 and feel very, very comfortable, not, not get too much involvement of the low back and it feels quite easy, it's time to evolve. So let's talk about uh, the evolution of the next movements that I'm going to introduce. Think about swinging a bat or throwing some guy, that's my favorite, it's standing and locking into the ground and transmitting power through your legs, up through your torso, and rotating. Same as punching or kicking someone, the energy is locking in from the ground or the earth. Or if you're playing sports against an opponent, like basketball or football, soccer, wrestling, uh, jiu-jitsu, you're, you're, you're bracing, um, you're, you're resisting against um, there are two types of movements here. There's anti-rotation or counter-lateral flexion. flexion. Again, it sounds fancy, but I'll explain. But the same is true here. We're talking about using your entire body and your midsection or your core or those muscles we talked about as being the catalyst for you to do this movement. It's total body stuff. And this is the important thing to understand is that we're working the whole body shizzle. So um, first, before, I, before you move on to this kind of, these kinds of movements, if your back hurts, go have it checked out before. I don't want to receive med- bad messages about, hey, I did your exercises and they hurt me. So to clear up, the movements we're going to talk about that we talked about in sports, one is like swinging a bat. That's rotation. Okay, then there's anti-rotation. That's like tightening up. As if you're pushing someone around like alignment. If someone's trying to push you around, you have to resist and not let your body rotate. Then there's counterlateral flexion. This is where you're um, inhibiting your spine from going side to side. Kind of like holding a suit, heavy suitcase in one hand and trying to stay upright. So I hope that cleared that up and it simplifies the movements that we're about to do a little bit. So the number two movement, so the first one was the ab wheel. The number two movement is the pal-off press. Now, this is anti-rotation. So we're not, we're resisting the rotation of the torso. You're going to stand with your feet shoulder width distance apart. Knees are slightly bent. Navel's pulled in, shoulders and shoulders down, chest out. You extend your arms generally in front of your body. Now, the beautiful thing about this exercise is you don't need weight. You can actually do this with a partner or a band. So you don't actually need a cable column like I use at my facility. But from here, you're going to stand in the posture I just described. Extend your out, your hands out. Now, if you're working with a partner, the partner is pushing on the side of your hands, and you're resisting him by holding your hands dead center in the midline of your body, so in front of your body, without, again, holding your breath, clenching your jaw, chest is out, good posture, not feeling it in your neck, knees are slightly bent. Now, I start all of my young athletes from day one practicing this movement, even if it's very, very light, because it's a very important core bracing exercise that helps you transfer power. 
Okay, that's number two. Number three, trunk rotation. Once you've shown me as a client that you can brace against resistance, then we start rotating. And so we can use bands for this, for this kind of movement, and I usually anchor them to a fixed object. Chest is out, shoulders are down. I'm perpendicular to my resistance, and I'm holding my hands out in front of my body. And I rotate with control across the midline of my body like swinging a bat against resistance. But we control the movement. Okay, this is weight training, so we don't need to work at game speed. However, you can work at game speed. Um, There's some devices and resistance that allow that. Generally, the heavier it is, the slower I have my clients move so they don't feel these things in the back. So trunk rotation is incredibly effective for training the obliques. Keep the knees slightly bent. And if you've swung a bat or swung a club, some of these movements will feel natural. You're not trying to get the legs out of the movement. You're trying to keep them keep them engaged, but make sure you're feeling this through your obliques. Generally speaking, most of my clients will feel it on the outside oblique. So if I'm rotating from right to left, I will feel my rotation through my left oblique. Again, if you guys have questions, I'll have pictures up on my blog so you can check this out and get a little bit more uh, visual with this. Okay, nomads with a purpose. Now, one of the big things I'm always picking on when people are doing these rotations is just overall posture. You know, a modern man posture these days is head forward, shoulders rolled in, slumped forward, and the rounded upper back. Yeah, can't be in these positions. And I'll go into this a little bit in, in another blog, how to correct this. If you're doing your rotation and you feel or have someone video you and you're a little bit in these positions, you're not going to feel it and you're not going to get the development and benefits from this. Okay? Moving to number four, counterlateral flexion. Now, the best way to describe this is if you do a classic yoga side plank. Now, first off, you should be able to do a side plank, hold yourself up on your elbow, hold an extended body, and be able to hold that rigid position. You're resisting your spine from flexing laterally. Okay, So one of my favorite ways to work this pattern using um, the landmine. So to work counterlateral flexion, I use a landmine, which is a piece of equipment that simply holds a bar in place. Old school, when I, my first gym that I joined was Gold's Gym in El Cajon, San Diego. Uh, I don't think it's there anymore. I think it's Fitness World. If not, it's probably Bailey, Bally's, or Choose Fitness seem to be popping up everywhere. We used to take the bar and shove it in a corner of the room to hold the bar in place. What you're going to do is shove that bar in the corner, use a landmine, extend the arms out above the chest, use a light to moderate resistance just so you can feel uh, the core get engaged. So the bar is held at 45 degrees. Again, knees slightly bent, shoulders down, chest out. I usually recommend only about a 15 to 20 degree shift from the bar laterally side to side so that you can feel the obliques turn on. When you come to midline, turn off, then you move to the next side, turn back on. If you start adding more movement, that's still valuable, but you're starting to bring in some more shoulders, a little more flexion in the spine, so you'll bring in a little bit of the QL or quadratus, your low back, and we're not necessarily looking for that. We're looking for you to feel the obliques turn on and off, okay? That's the important thing. Number five, one of my favorites, it's a variation of 
of a farmer's walk. Now, farmer's walkers where you usually hold weights in two hands or hold uh, uh, heavy dumbbells and, and go for a walk because um, it stabilizes, much like you know carrying a heavy wheelbarrow. But I like to use have my clients work the obliques by doing a farm a one arm uh, dumbbell farmer's walk. Now this is a very simple progression, but you have to make sure that you're using just enough resistance so that you're feeling your obliques, but not too much that you're flexing laterally because you end up with a sore back. Uh, one of my mentors or guys that I follow, Dan John, actually has criterium for a, a regular farmer's walk uh, for developing strength in uh, particularly his linemen. Now, he'll use two dumbbells and send his guys with 85 pounds and say, go walk five minutes and then tell them to go back <laughs> and then come back. And it's a great way to train your grip, your ob- obliques, and your traps get plenty of work. So it, it kind of works uh, it, in some of the ways that we're designed to work. So check it out. I just gave you five great ideas. No crunches are needed, although you can if you want them. The ab wheel, and then evolve to, anti-ro- uh, to anti-rotation, then to rotation, then counterlateral flexion for the abs. Not only will you look great through your midsection, particularly if you got, remember you have to make sure you have low body fat, but you'll also be a better athlete. And that's where I'm trying to get you guys to, to understand is that we can look great and still perform effectively. If you need some help, Check us out at nomadswithapurpose.com. My coaching series combines these movements along with everything else you need to know. Thanks a lot.